Blog Talk Radio. Live from Southern California and broadcasting worldwide on Wealth Radio. A tax lawyer prescribing a dose of truth for entrepreneurs. A voice of common sense for the small business owner. And don't get him started on saving taxes. This is the Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Kohler Show. Well, welcome everybody to today's show. My name is Mark Kohler with my co-host Matt Sorensen. Hey, happy to be here, Mark. Excited for today's show. Yeah, man, we're going to rock it today. This is uh, another round of uh, true entrepreneurism. Uh, did I say entrepreneurism? Boy, that's a tongue twister. Talking about saving, <laughs> building wealth, saving taxes, living the American dream here every week. Uh, just trying to make it happen. Yeah, we got a jam-packed show today. We're going to be talking about how to start or expand your business and avoid the mistakes. Mark and I will try and share some uh, some quick examples for you and some thoughts about um, you know getting started and avoiding a lot of the common mistakes. Sometimes it's trial by fire. I think both of us in starting our own businesses and in talking with thousands of clients do really have a unique perspective on this and. Um, hopefully we can say something smart that can help you. Yeah, I, I, I actually when I was you know working with Matt on developing this show today, we sat down for a minute and said, oh my gosh, if there's any you know couple guys, and I say this humbly, that could maybe help some of you out there avoid some of those mistakes. Um, if it can't be us, I don't know who it can be. I Matt and I were looking just conservatively over our our consulting schedule the last ten plus years. And between the two of us, we have literally counseled over a thousand business owners just on one-on-one consults, helping them get started. And we've seen seen clients that have no business succeeding and blow it up and make a ton of money. And clients we think that have the best idea in the world <laughs> blow up and not make any money. So I mean, it's just weird, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's hard to put um, your finger on it where success is going to happen, but. Um, I think there's definitely some common rules and some good practices to do and some common things to avoid as well. So um, we can try and boil down some key points and facts for you to consider. But we also have some guests that will be on the show later in the, later on. We have two guests. Um, we got some tips. We got a, really a jam-packed show today. So um, a lot of content we'll be covering today, hopefully um, getting a lot of information and education to you guys listening in today. Yeah, and, and one of those uh, little tips we're going to be covering later is we hope to have Timothy Sykes join us, also a penny stock trading expert that can share some ideas with uh, many of you out there that may self-direct your IRA and maybe just have a little bit of money in an IRA and want to get started making some money day trading and you don't have enough to do real estate in your self-directed IRA. So we're going to kind of play with that as well. Um, hopefully we'll get him on a little bit later in the show. So we got a ton of stuff. Well, and maybe we should hit some of uh, these upcoming events and kind of the newsletter, kind of a little 
uh, news flash, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, this week I, I have some events if you want to come to Phoenix or for those in Phoenix. I'm speaking on self-directed IRAs as part of the Retirement Industry Trust Association certification program. This is for people who typically work in the industry or financial advisors. Sometimes there's CPAs or accountants involved. But um, please, uh, you know, if you're in the Phoenix area you want to attend this, it starts tomorrow and it goes through Friday. Um, also, in the newsletter, there are some dates to check out. They're probably also on Mark's website for his upcoming fall workshops. These are the Wealth Transformation Workshops. Um, it's a, typically a full-day event with some lunch, and you know you get a, a full day of live Mark J. Kohler. So um, I think he's going to be, you know, it looks like Seattle, Sacramento, Philadelphia, Orange County already on the calendar there. So. Um, Check out the newsletter for those dates or also Mark's website. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about those. And I have to say, Matt, I am I'm, I'm trying to – I'm debating distancing myself from this name, Wealth Transformation Workshop. I mean, it sounds cool, but it's such a mouthful. It may just be the kick-butt Mark Kohler's fall workshops, you know, something like that. So we'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll play with that. Kick butt, Mark Kohler workshop. Yeah, so no, yeah, you're yeah, still yeah, on the drawing board there, obviously. <laughs> That's just yeah. a for uh, now. We're just spitballing right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a work in progress. Uh, now there's some fun yeah. articles in the newsletter for those that haven't checked out the newsletter, and you can always sign up for the newsletter um, at the uh, our different websites. For those that are new to, uh, if, if you're listening to this via podcast, refreshyourwealth.com. There's a link there, but of course um, at our personal websites and uh, the law firm accounting firm, you'll you'll find us. But of course, if you're listening to the show here, there's plenty of links for you. But get on the newsletter. That's the point. The newsletter every week is packed with free information with really a lot of, lot of work that goes into these articles. A fun article I had this week was uh, about the Apple Watch. Is the new Apple Watch tax deductible? And I uh, got Liddell Air on the on uh, task with me, trying to make sure we we weren't stepping into uh, problems there, because it's pretty exciting. You know, this is not just a fashion statement or watch. It literally is in a you know a feature or appendix or appendage to your phone, and so this is an accessory to your phone, which is normally completely tax deductible, but then it's a watch. So how much do you write off? Anyway, this article is really dives into the detail and it's gotten a lot of traction on Yahoo Finance, entrepreneur.com and other news outlets. So uh, you can get that on the newsletter. Kind of fun. Matt, have you got your new Apple watch yet? No, no. And I, I know that you were writing that article and uh, to convince your wife that you could buy an Apple watch. <laughs> It's a tax write-off, honey. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> hasn't read the article yet. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I know, I know, you got it primed and ready to go. So uh, that's right. Yeah, you know, I had an article too. Awesome article, by the way. I really like. You that know, article, Matt. Mark. Matt, let me, let, Matt, let me interject too. I don't think rolling out the Apple Watch deductible article on Mother's Day weekend was a good idea either. I could have timed it a little <laughs> bit better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True enough. Uh, yeah. Well, I I had a uh, an article I just want to highlight here, and we can jump into the tips. But check out the newsletter. I mean, we don't need to read through it, but I just we do want to highlight some of the things we think you may be interested in. Um, I have gotten a lot of questions about IRA trust lately. Um, there's been some recent cases regarding IRAs and asset protection issues that are um, 
somewhat relevant, but it's been used to sell IRA trust to people. And I had a client call me wanting to set up an IRA trust and was told that this is the only way to stretch out the IRA, essentially stretching out the IRA as a way you can let children inherit it, and they can take the money out of that IRA based on their life expectancy, which essentially allows the, the, that person that inherits the IRA, who is typically younger, to stretch out the tax-deferred status of the IRA. It's a, it's a great tax strategy to inherit an IRA. But they were told the only way to do this was through an IRA trust, which is really a half-truth. There are some benefits to an IRA trust. You don't need it to stretch out the IRA necessarily, though. So check out the article. I try and dispel the myths and, and let you know the facts that are important about when you should consider using an IRA trust. Good stuff. Well, always a few videos in the newsletter, too. I got a new video out on what not to do in a partnership. And for those of you in partnerships, a great little video. I actually, I shouldn't say it's new. I've shot it previously, but I wanted to uh, get it out on the newsletter. And uh, it's great. Just click on the link there. Go straight to my YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Lots of good videos every week on that. So, Matt, who's our first tipster? What do you want to do? Well, let's bring. I don't. I don't know who's on yet, but I'm going to shoot for Lee Chen. So, um, okay. we'll have Lee come on and give us our uh, legal tip. And uh, Lee, you with us here? I am, Matt. Good morning, gentlemen, and uh, thanks for having me on, Matt. You bet. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into your legal tip here. And uh, what do you got for us? Well, I uh, wanted to talk about trade secrets today. Um, it's something that. Uh, we don't talk about a whole lot, but we get a lot of these calls in the office and, uh, you know, f uh, frequently get a call on, well, how do I protect my customer list or I have a mm -hmm. design or technique or something like that. Or even in the most extreme cases, we'll get a call from someone who says, oh, my God, my partner just took my, took my customer list and he's calling all my partners and taking all my business away. What do I do? So uh, mm, I thought yeah. I'd talk a little bit about it because one of the issues with um, – uh, trade secrets, unlike patents and trademarks, is you don't have a place to register it. So yeah. it's really upon the business owner to take some steps to create that documentation and that um, infrastructure to protect your trade secret. All right. Now give me a couple quick examples of what would be a trade secret in a typical business. Well, most for a lot of people, it's going to be their customer list. Okay, and All right. I guess I guess what I should do is kind of define what a trade secret is. Yeah. It could be it could be almost any information that derives value to your business. Okay, something independent that derives value because it's not known to other people. Okay. All right. So your, um, your customer list, your special sauce, the kid's right. signature recipe, and such. Absolutely. Absolutely, and those aren't things that you necessarily register on any with any sort of government agency. So it's really incumbent on the business owner to, um, you know, take some steps to make sure that everybody knows this is my trade secret. You know, like you know, Coke and and McDonald's, mm -hmm. and you know, they they go through a lot of uh, you know, they go through a lot just to make sure that it's secret, and that's that's mm -hmm. one of the keys. All right. So, well, yeah, how do you make something a trade secret then? That's, I guess, the you, you mentioned keeping it secret. Right. Um, and really, this this really comes to some documentation, as as, as with you know all a lot of our um, 
legal tips is, you know, if you have something that you want to protect, let's create some written agreements, let's create some policies so that anyone who's dealing with you, whether they're your partners, whether they're your employees, they know it's a trade secret. So whether, you know, like if you hire an employee, maybe have a um, a employment agreement or an independent contractor agreement that identifies, hey, this customer list is a trade secret, and here's the policy with respect to um, maintaining its secrecy. For example, you know, uh, is it going to be is it going to be password protected? Is it going to be you know in a locked file mm-hmm. cabinet where only you can get to it? Those sorts of documentation. Uh, is really important if you ever come to me, you know, for litigation and say, hey, I have this thing that he, they stole. I need to protect it. I'm going to ask you, okay, do you have a written policy? Do you have something signed that disclosed that it was a that this was protected, et cetera, et cetera? Well, and I, I think this, again, it's ironic you bring this up because, folks, believe it or not, this is unscripted live radio. So we had no idea what tip Lee was going to bring. It could have been anything. Um, it could have been, you know, Tom Brady's suspension in the NFL this week, which is not, you know, could be a big deal if you're from, you know, Boston area. But I'm, I'm just saying that could have been the topic that Lee brought. But what I love about this <laughs> is this is literally uh, a key component of the video I just mentioned of what not to do in a partnership. Because a lot of times in a partnership, someone's got the idea or the concept or this, you know, unique way of doing something or this referral list or this piece of property they know about and no one else knows about. And they're going to partner with someone that either has money or the skill set to take it to the next level. And before you start sharing those secrets, you want to get that, uh, gosh, the do not disclose type document or, you know, non-compete, get all your partnership agreement worked out. So I love, Lee, that you're bringing this up. Have the conversation right up from the, from the beginning and and get it in writing, what the expectations are for each other. So I anyway, I, I love it, Lee. Thanks so much for bringing in this. This is uh, a great topic. How do people get a hold of you, Lee, if they want to get some more help from you? Uh, you can call our office at 888-801-0010 or shoot me an email at lee, L-E-E, at kkoslawyers.com. I love it. That's Lee Chen running our California office uh, for legal work. Um, good stuff. Thanks, Lee. We'll see you Thanks, in a few Lee. weeks. Thanks for jumping on. Well, my pleasure. All right. Well, now we have the um, very important Liddell Air on the line, who is the Mark's partner and CPA and Kohler and Air CPAs. And Liddell's got a tax tip for us. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's good to be on. It's been a few weeks yeah. recovering after tax season. So, well, well what do you got? You for feel, are you, yeah, and how are you feeling after that Apple Watch article? Are you feeling like I just uh, <laughs> threw caution to the wind with that? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's it's just like anything else new. There's you know, it takes time to figure things out. Tax laws evolved over, you know, how many years now and. You always have new legislation, and obviously the IRS will weigh in on what they think on all these new things coming out, because obviously technology's not going away, and it's only going to continue to increase. So so did you buy one, yeah. though? No, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I just barely switched to the iPhone this year, so I'm just getting used to that. Yeah. So, what, I'll just say this. When the Apple Watch can uh, 
you know, look at your uh, assess your golf stroke and how far away the ball is from the you know the hole and all that. Then I think that'll be worth it. Until then, but I would have to worth make sure that I'm always golfing with a client so that it's business deductible. <laughs> there you go. Look, see Apple Watch. There you go. Right there with your golf. You know, a little bit of technology and business entertainment. And helping the client with their golf swing. Yes. See, Liddell, you're a giver. That's all it is. You're just you're trying to just give it away. I love it. All right. I know. Well, well, what's your tip okay, today what, for us? What do you got? What I wanted to talk about today was something that probably not a lot of people have heard about, and that happened with the new tax legislation in 2014, and, and it's, it's an account called an ABLE account. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it or not, but what it is yeah. – it's the acronym. It's achieving a better life experience, and it's part of that. Okay, I'll get one. Came in. <laughs> yeah, buy one. No, what it is is it's it's part of the tax act that came into effect with the 2014 tax act, and it and it's to help a disabled family member. And the way they kind of work is kind of like people have heard of the 529 uh, section 529 plans that are used mm-hmm. for higher education costs where you can put money in, the money grows tax-free as long as you pull it out for education. It's it's non-taxable income. And so these ABLE accounts kind of work the same way. You put money in, and as long as you pull the money out for qualified expenses to help help a disabled family member, there's no, there's no tax on them. So they can sit there and grow tax-free. And... One thing I wanted to mention is what you're probably asking, what makes up a qualified expense on these ABLE accounts? And mm-hmm. a qualified expense can be used for education, housing, transportation, employment training and support, assistive technology, personal support services, health care expenses, and financial management and administrative services. What other expenses are you going to have? That's, I mean, that pretty much covers right. them all. <laughs> and yeah. so... They're kind of they're they're new accounts, and they're to help a disabled family member. Um, and basically, how you qualify is is it's an individual who experiences the onset of a significant disability before age 26. And so, if if they're already qualifying for um, the supplementary Social Security income or Medicaid benefits, they're all automatically eligible to participate in this ABLE account. And so mm-hmm. one thing that can be done, um, you're probably wondering, well, how much can you put in there a year? And, and contributions you, can... Let me ask a question, Liddell. Gee, <laughs> you're, you're, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> Keep going. You're doing great, by the way. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Thanks for asking that question, Matt. I'll tell you. You bet. You bet. Yeah. Still. Well, how much can you put in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you can put in up to the annual gift tax exclusion which is $14,000. So it's tied into the gift tax exclusion. It's probably going to be indexed for inflation in future years. So right now, and contributions can be made by anyone. It doesn't have to be mom or dad, brother, sister. It can be made by anyone. But they're not tax deductible. Not tax deductible. Nobody gets a tax deduction going in. It's just the beneficiary, the the disabled person, is able to pull that money out. to be used for all those qualified expenses. Can we self-direct them, Matt? 
That was, that was my next question. <laughs> Holy <laughs> I, God, I don't know. <laughs> Are they like a 529 plan where they're invested in, you know, the government essentially manages the investments, or can you direct the investments into stocks or we real don't, estate? Or? I don't think we have a lot of information. The Treasury Department is going to issue some additional guidance this year. So okay. that's probably something in the future we'll have to look at is how, how you know, what what are the investment options on those. Yeah, that's what I, I wondered if you'd come across anything new on it. When I first looked at them, uh, they did, I think the analogy you drew of uh, their similarity to um, 529 plans is right on because everything I saw showed that they were uh, pretty restrictive um, on their investment uh, options. But uh, growth tax-free, comes out tax-free, no tax deduction going in, very similar to the 529. Uh, and for the a disabled family member, I think they are a really uh, a nice uh, a nice thing. I think they're good. And, you know, any family that has a disabled family member, um, I know our heart goes out to you because it's just so challenging. And any way we, you can invest and save up some more money, good stuff. So Well, and it gives, it gives a family a way to – earn money without having to pay tax on it. You know, mm-hmm. if there's enough money put into those accounts and they can use it for, and that, that money can just sit there and generate income to take, take care of the disabled family member, that's that's non-taxable income. That's non-taxable earnings that the family member doesn't have to pay tax on. Yeah. yeah. No, I love it. Good stuff. Well, I, well, yeah, go ahead, Matt. One last question there. No, I was just going to say that's that's a, a great little benefit. I've been I heard about those come out. It's great to get some more detail on it. And uh, you know, I think there's a lot of planning that goes in when you do have a disabled family member. And um, the, the laws are a little unique. Um, your benefits in terms of Social Security. You know, you want to look at this ABLE account and see how that can affect Social Security benefits. Um, so there, you know, there's some some pretty significant tax planning, estate planning, and some financial planning. But the good news is there are some benefits if you do that planning um, where you can realize some tax and investment benefits that are uh, that are available and that the, the government's at least trying to put forward to help out for those families. Yeah. Well, Liddell, great tip. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate you coming on. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Liddell. Well, yeah, folks, that's Liddell Air of K&E CPAs. And if you need to get a hold of him, of course, uh, you've got our links here to the law and accounting firm for a consultation. He's uh, helping clients all around the country with their tax strategies. Good stuff. Well, while we're talking about investing, Matt, I suggest we bring out one of our special guests today. We're uh, going to be talking about expanding and starting your business here shortly. But before we get there, uh, since we're talking, this is literally perfect, right on point when it comes to investing one of these tax-preferred vehicles, whether it is an ABLE account or an IRA, 401k, or just a little bank account you're set aside for college or you're trying to just you know, exponentially grow your retirement, uh, we've got a special guest that's been on the show before. We always love to have him come back. It's Timothy Sykes. He's an American stock trader, entrepreneur, penny stock expert, which I love, uh, maybe because I love to invest pennies and make big money. Um, <laughs> he's um, he's uh, best known for turning his bar mitzvah money into over $1 million by day trading in between classes at Tulane University. He's uh, just a huge asset to many, many investors around the country with his newsletters and education and guidance. So without any... Um, 
uh, further ado, Tim, are you there? Yeah, I am. Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. It's good to hear your voice again. We appreciate you finding some time to join us. Oh, it's my pleasure, as always. Okay, so give us that hot stock tip. I'm just joking. I know you get that up. <laughs> well, there, you know, it's it's not just about one hot stock tip. That's what everybody wants to change their life. For me, it's more about, you know, learning a process. What news moves stocks? You know, what what can be applied this year, next year, your entire life? And once you have a process, then you can actually build sustainable wealth. Hey, Tim, this is Matt here. I know. Mark's uh, talked to you before on on penny stocks and and stock investing, but uh, maybe give us a little a quick summary of of what penny stocks are, and maybe an example of a success story of penny stocks a company people may know about. Sure, um, you know penny stocks have a very negative perception in society thanks to uh, books and movies like The Wolf of Wall Street. You know these are low priced stocks trading under five dollars a share, under one dollars a share. Um, they're kind of long shots, and they're priced like long shots. And the mm-hmm. way that they're marketed uh, to average people is saying, oh, look, this is the next Microsoft. This is the next Exxon. And it never is the next Exxon or next Microsoft. They all have big problems. They have very little cash, very little revenue. But the good news is is that you can use this hype and you can use the way that they're marketed to kind of you know, understand that some of these stocks are going to spike if the trend catches on, you know, whatever trend exists in the world right now, you know, for example, uh, we have a lot of police uh, questionable behavior. And so there are penny stocks that have gone up 500, 1,000, 2,000 percent just on speculation that police forces are going to use their products. There's a company called Digital Ally, DGLY, and it went all the way from three to 30 in a two-week period. And that's the kind of momentum that you can use not saying that the company is necessarily going to succeed, just knowing that you know you can't make ten times your money on a stock like GE or Google or something like that. Well, I've been investing in tasers, and I've just been rolling in the cash over here because uh, my taser <laughs> stock has gone off the chart. So it's, it's crazy. Exactly. Just, you're, you're you're buying into a hot trend, and it's not necessarily saying this company is definitely going to make it. You know, try and ride the momentum, and lock in profits. You know, I never timed things well at all. I sold my DGLY. I doubled my money on when I bought it, and I was done. And then it went up, you know, another 1,000%. So I'm not great at timing, but I can still sense when there's, like, a hot trend. Like, you know, earlier last year, everybody was afraid of Ebola. So all these low-priced Ebola plays uh, went up. Marijuana uh, stocks, you know, everyone was all excited about the legalization in several states. So marijuana low-price stocks started going up. So you don't have to yeah, be like high. a rocket scientist. You don't have to know how to read balance sheets. You just have to recognize trends. Well, and Tim, I think you make an important point. All joking, all joking aside here, this is the the pro. I think obviously, I think many people recognize one of the benefits of penny stocks is that anybody can get involved. You can have just a few thousand dollars or a few hundred dollars in a self-directed IRA or even just a basic after-tax bank account, and you can get started investing, which is exciting. I think that's part of that American dream, that I can invest in something I can believe in uh, and get behind immediately. However, I think you highlight the con is that one of the tricks to penny stocks is you've got to be following trends. You've got to be watching the news. You've got to be watching extra and TMZ, as you know, I do. I watch the news. But you've got to be watching the trends 
and and really be kind of attuned. And and for I've found the people that are most successful day trading is they really do kind of have a sense of of that what's going on in the economy, what's going on in in the pop culture, and and they see something and they can get on a stocks bandwagon quickly and react. Um, and, and and I think that type of um, is that type of person really does have more success. Is that true, Tim? Do you have to be kind of a news junkie to succeed at penny stocks? What what are those characteristics of a successful trader? Do you see? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, there are some people who believe that you should like study breaking news and study stocks all the time, and you you kind of become a slave to your computer. I like to travel. I've been to a hundred plus countries. I just got back from Japan, my latest trip. So I'm not really a slave to a computer kind of guy. I like living. Um, but what I do like is seeing these these big trends that pop up and understanding how word of mouth can travel. You know how only a few people actually died from Ebola, but the entire country and the world was just afraid for several weeks, and that influenced these stocks. Same thing with medical marijuana. It's a very sketchy industry, but just when the thought of legalization came about, everybody started getting all excited about these low-priced stocks. So you just need to have an overall sense of what a trend is and then you know, parlay that into stocks, and you think, okay, look, let's see what stocks are moving based on this trend. And I have a very simple strategy where I just like to buy stocks as they're hitting 52-week highs, because when there's a trend in play, when the stock is hitting new highs, it's not about discovering it first. It's not about buying it at its lows like so many people want. I actually buy when they're high, and I bet on it going higher. And momentum really pushes it for several days or sometimes even several weeks. I have patience problems. I can't hold several months or several years. And with penny stocks, you really shouldn't because the momentum can shift. A lot of medical marijuana penny stock investors believed in the sector. They wrote it up. But then, unfortunately, they wrote it all the way down, and they never took their profits. And you have to be willing to lock in profits. Penny stocks, it's not about you know, long-term investing. It's about momentum trading. Well, you know, when it comes to medical marijuana, you always want to get out when you're high. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pumped. Uh, that was a perfect setup. Appreciate that. Um, well, now, if, when you're doing penny stocks, I mean, isn't this you? I mean, this could be in an E-Trade account. I mean, I, I think there's some broker dealers who, you know, someone says, "All right, I, you know, I want to throw a thousand bucks in the game here or something on penny stocks." Where where are they going first to get started? Um, what resources do you have in terms of newsletters or information to for people to help get started on this? Yeah, uh, E-Trade is one of my preferred brokers. I mean, they're simple. They have low minimums. They work. They they're they're a decent broker for you to start. And a lot of my people. Uh, start with just a thousand, two thousand, three thousand to their name. And what I try and do is make a video lesson every single day. I now have three thousand video lessons because I'm insane. Uh, but I go over every single, you know, little facet to, you know, understanding which stocks are hitting new highs, how to find them, how to look at trends, how to read charts, how to read balance sheets. And you know, my students get to just see everything. Not many people make it through all three thousand video lessons, but. I try and provide an entire framework because I've been doing this 15 years. And the whole goal is to try and grow $1,000, $2,000 into five or 10000 or 20000 or 50000 You know, I have several students who have done the seemingly impossible from going from 1000 to a million in a few years, but that's not everybody. These people are insane like me, and they work, and, you know, they're kind of math geniuses. But if you can grow your small account, you know, 50 100 200%, that's the dream because Wall Street and you know higher price pennies or higher price stocks 
you're not going to be able to do that. You know, all of Wall Street is aiming to make 10, 15, 20% per year. But if you have a small savings account or a small brokerage account, 20% on, you know, $5,000 is not going to be meaningful at all for the next few decades. So I try and teach people how to grow their accounts exponentially. Um, and, and, you know, I try and do everything that, that I can to help them get there because I never mm-hmm. had a mentor. So my job is to be like the mentor to them that I never had. Yeah, and on these penny stocks, I mean, there are you know, big swings up and also big swings down. So you know, this isn't something everybody bets the farm on and, they, you know, they go mortgage out their house or they put all their retirement savings into a penny stock account. I mean, this is something you want to get into at a measured rate and take the risk into perspective as you're getting into it, right? Yeah, it's very speculative, very risky. Don't quit your job. Don't put food money on this. This is, you know, if you have a few extra thousand dollars, in savings that are just sitting in some account where you might make 5 or 10% and you say, hey, I have some extra time, I can study this at night, I can you know, ride a trend for a little bit, maybe make a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, that's the kind of mindset that you need. You can't be looking at you know, this becoming the next you know, Warren Buffett from penny stocks. I've been doing this 15 years and I've only made a few million dollars. The gains are very small and yet I know a lot of people who would like to have, you know, a few million dollars. So you just have to be realistic about your expectations. Well, and Tim, I, Mark Kohler here again. I I was really enamored with your, uh, the first time we met and uh, with your approach and simplicity and your cautious uh, optimism. I think it, it's, it was wonderful. It was a breath of fresh air in this in this crazy area of penny stocks. And I even got my son, Dylan, uh, started with a little $200 account. He was a senior in high school at the time, and this was a chance for him to experience trading and choose some stocks. And I let him lose his entire $200 himself. It was great. So uh, it was kind of a lot of fun. Uh, but no, it, he is actually, he didn't lose it entirely, and he still follows these little uh, stocks that he bought, and he will not sell them now. He's emotionally attached to them, and that's ah. been a learning experience in and of itself. So, it, it's yeah. Cool, well, my, my parents just... gave me control of my twelve thousand dollars in bar mitzvah money. They thought that I would lose it all, and instead, you know, I made a hundred thousand senior year, and then nearly a million freshman year. So I screwed up my my family's plans for teaching me the value of a dollar. <laughs> but you know, you, you got to have your son. You've got to cut losses quickly. You can't get emotionally involved. That's the number one problem that I see where they're down 50% and they hope for a comeback. And and then it's even worse when sometimes the stock does come back and they learn the wrong lesson. So my rule number one is to cut losses quickly. I made nearly a million dollars in trading profits last year alone, my best year ever, and I did not have any big losses because I'm trying to teach and I'm trying to trade just the way I teach. So I play it very conservatively, and, and that's really the only solution because you have people who claim big numbers and they have wild swings. And, you know, even if you have a, made a lot of money, I mean, you, you just can't afford to risk big losses. You, you'll have a heart attack. It's not worth it. No, it's good. Well, and uh, Timothy, we I love your website. I want to give that out to everyone here. And if you haven't been to his website, please get there. He's the young Michael Weston from Burn Notice. So you can get there. And, <laughs> you know, ladies, you might enjoy that. So uh, uh, get over there. But this is Timothy Sykes. Uh, Timothy, tr- spelled the traditional way, Sykes, S is in Sam, Y-K-E-S, timothysykes.com. Um, excellent, excellent information and resources. And, um, Tim, I just want to say thanks again for coming out and sharing this important information. Uh, this is this is good stuff and uh, I think important for everybody. It's my pleasure. You know, you can always afford a, a little extra risk in life. You know, that's what makes life fun. 
So just uh, just play it safely. You know, you can take risks, but don't be like, oh, my God, this is amazing, like too many people do in, in various forms in the financial industry. Just, you know, I, I like what you say, like cautiously optimistic. That's what it comes down to. All right. Well, thanks so much, Timothy. Appreciate you being on today. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Okay, thanks. Thank you. And guys, again, timothysykes.com. Get over there. That's S-Y-K-E-S. And check it out. Get started with your self-directed IRA with a little bit of penny stock action. I love it. Take your LLC that you set up. See, here, here, Matt, back me up on this one, right? See, we've got a lot of clients that take their self-directed IRA, their Roth, their 401k, create an LLC, and buy some real estate. But the LLC has a little cushion in the bank account. Matt, can't you take that checkbook for the LLC and open a little E-Trade account and put a little $1,000 to work on some trends? Absolutely. Definitely, yeah. Take that, that LLC. You can go open up an LLC brokerage account somewhere like E-Trade where you can do penny stocks or any other type of stocks for that matter and uh, be buying investments as you're in between real estate transactions. So um, some clients will do that right out of their LLC. Some clients roll money back to their to a brokerage IRA to do it. Either way works, though. Yeah, good stuff. Well, folks, we're going to turn now to our topic of starting or expanding your business and avoiding the mistakes. And I love this topic. And we've got a special guest that's been on the show before. Uh, he speaks around the country. Uh, this is the one and only Tony Bass. Uh, he's written numerous books, more books than Matt and I combined. Uh, some of his most famous books are 50 Ways to Find, Recruit, Hire, and Retain stu- uh, Superstar Employees, Preparing to uh, Retire or Sell Your Contracting Company for Maximum Value, Growing Your Landscape, Irrigation, Tree Service, or Snow Removal Business. And he's really become an expert in that landscape genre, helping small business owners around the country start landscaping businesses, college students, and young families that want a small business on the side. And and uh, I've had the opportunity to speak on stage with Tony around the country, and I'm just a huge fan of Tony, and we'd really like to get his insights as we talk about this. I know Matt and I have got a lot we want to share here, too, uh, on this topic. It's so important. And Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me today, Mark. Great great hearing your voice, and and just a, a word of gratitude to start with. You know, this entrepreneurial spirit that you guys put out on the airwaves each week is absolutely infectious it is you know it's it's hard for me to sit still when i'm listening to all these great ideas and and uh, thanks for bringing timothy on he did a great job oh yeah it's fun you know those little penny stocks i think is a great other family learning experience it's fun to have him on and well tony i know you teach workshops on how to start a small business. You've helped so many clients through your coaching programs avoid the mistakes. Um, certainly you've worked with contractors for years and years and years, service contractors and mistakes they make, hiring the wrong employees. So we're going to do our best here for the rest of the show to hopefully give many of our listeners some tips on how to avoid <laughs> all those pitfalls. And uh, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, if you've got that young entrepreneur sitting in front of you and and uh, they're just you know bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to go with their small business, boy, what do you what, you want to grab them and give them that that those first two or three just golden nuggets of information? What do you what what falls off Tony Bass's lips? I mean, this is we're sitting at your your you know your chair right here. And we're so excited. What would you say? Well, the, to start with, you know, 
it's the great entrepreneurial myth that businesses are started by entrepreneurs, when in fact most businesses are started by technicians who are rather exceptional technicians in most cases. And in the lawn and landscape industry where I where I spend a tremendous amount of my time, guys are excellent with lawns and excellent with shrubs and excellent with with um, making irrigation systems work fantastic or you know selecting the right plants for the right soil conditions or the right amount of uh, color and contrast with the colors of the home. All these are technical uh, technical issues that that guys get good at. And one day they wake up, and in many cases they say, I'm working for a blasted lunatic who knows nothing about being a success. And so then they quit the job that they have, and they go start their own business. And and in many cases, that technician quickly finds that the world is not quite as simple, that being a technician is step one. And the big challenge is to make that transition from a technician to a manager of other people. And the first time we make that step in our entrepreneurial quest is uh, we find out that people are difficult. People are hard to, to, uh, to manage. In fact, my, my advisors told me these words about 20 years ago. It changed my life. He said, people are impossible to manage. Give up on it. What you can manage is a process, but you can't manage people. People don't. Uh, uh, people grow up. They get married. They have little babies. But if you're in the contracting business and you buy things like trucks and tractors and lawnmowers, skid loaders and backhoes, well, you'll never find backhoes and skid loaders getting married and having little mini skid steer babies. And, <laughs> and so it's easy to manage uh, equipment. It's easier to manage a process, but it's impossible to manage people. And that's the big management dilemma that many of us get in. You'll, you, I know you guys see it, both you and, and Matt will see it in, in your clients' small businesses that you help with tax planning. Guys will see their revenues grow, 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 and then one day they come in and they say, I'm fed up, I'm sick and tired, I've had it. People tell me stories, they lie, they, they've cheated me, they've stolen from me, they've done all these terrible things, and so I'm just going to go back to being small. I'm going to go back to a point in time and place where I could do it all myself because people are un, um, untrustworthy and this type of thing. And the reality is, is, that, is that we must have written policies, processes, and procedures in order to manage those processes instead of managing people. And the challenge well, is, is that most of us are just... too busy <laughs> to do that entrepreneurial work, which is actually define precisely what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Well, let me let me just jump in here. I just want to share a few thoughts um, on something we see and maybe get uh, some comments from you, uh, Tony or Mark. But, you know, as I look at a lot of clients who get out there and are starting a small business, I think there's two things they've got to be able to put together. And I don't care if you're a lawyer, a dentist, a landscaper, a nanny, whatever business you are, you've got to be able to put these two things together. One, you need to know what you're doing or have an expertise in certain in a certain area or a product that you believe in. Secondly, you have to be able to market it. And so many businesses that we consult with on a 
uh, on a you know tax and legal level will come to us and we I can get your business structured I can get the you know minimize your liability get the most tax efficient entity for you but a lot of times we'll see someone who is an absolute expert in what they do or you know is a very good professional in their field and lawyers are a classic example of this you could have the best lawyer in the world but if that lawyer can't market themselves they're going to be they're going to be starving and there's a lot of them that are and i think this translates into other businesses on the other hand if you ha- you can have a lawyer that does a great job at marketing um and might get a great influx of clients but if they're terrible at being a lawyer they're not going to last they're going to tick people off they're not going to build a long-term relationship they're not going to get the referrals from their prior clients so i think it's putting together your expertise and as you said tony you know being a technician having that expertise if it's a service or having that great product if you're selling something and then second making sure you have a marketing plan or an ability to generate clients and work um, because well, you may be so great at doing something you gotta have a marketing plan to execute on it you're right on the money matt with uh with with your analysis but let me add a thought and and here it is during the uh, spring of the year it is I call it spring fever. Everybody catches spring fever when the lawns turn green, the flowers begin to bloom, and we get excited about being outside as the weather warms up and and uh, and 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 when that happens, the landscape contracting industry explodes literally overnight when it hits mm-hmm. about seventy two to seventy five degrees. And so, you know what? I'm looking for a landscaper for one of my rental properties. It's been a nightmare, but uh, so I know what you're saying. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the technicians who are who are excellent, the guy that you need to help you with that rental property right now, um, who is more than willing and capable, has the right technical training to do it, may may find himself in more trouble by taking on more business in the spring because he doesn't have an accurate pricing system in his company. Therefore, he can't afford to hire people, and he can't afford to invest in productivity-enhancing equipment. And so when I begin to work with contractors, and uh, and Mark will testify for this, you go around and you talk to a dozen or two dozen or three dozen or whatever, they're going to tell you that we get started with this with this thing called budgeting and estimating, so that they can accurately predict their labor cost in advance of doing that job. And when we get people pricing right, then we have the money to afford people to be able to keep the promises to folks like Matt and Mark who are able to afford to hire contractors. And and, and, and they're able to, you know, to to earn enough money to sustain themselves, their family and their uh and their equipment and so forth along the way. So so I find that at least in in the small business world that I live in that pricing work is really one of the real strangleholds on business owners in the early days because all of us when we're first getting started in business and you got to you, you guys need to admit this right now on the air okay you are all cheap when you got started you were looking for your first customer your first clients and the first people that were going to give you some name recognition and in many cases you either work you know for you know almost free or something you know below what it really costs you to sustain a business just to get that business built up 
we got to well, move uh, away from that after we get some customers. Yeah, obviously, Matt, Tony doesn't know the story of me trading uh, an estate plan for six pigs, um, which was a, you know, a, a classic story. When I, when I moved to rural Utah 15 years ago to start my law practice and work with this firm, this guy walked in and was like, you know, I'm trying to sell my first estate plan. I literally, I think I was working in the law firm, but not even a full lawyer yet. I was still waiting for that letter in the mail that I had passed the yeah. bar. And he walks in yeah. and he goes, I need a will and a trust. And I'm like, all right. And I go, we can do that. And he goes, but I'm a little low on cash. How much? And I go, well, I don't know. I gave him a quote. And he's like, I'll give you six pigs. And I thought, well, that sounds like a good deal. I like, I like bacon. I like a good ham. So I made the deal. And Oh, uh, anyway. Okay, well, let me throw this How out. I want to be. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe the statute never of limitations mind, is mind. over on this, but yeah, and the yeah. IRS may be listening, but I did not report the pig income. I think they knew I was <laughs> suffering more from the experience than benefiting. So <laughs> we did have one hell of a luau at the end of the process. But um, <laughs> there's actually a story. Some of those listeners that have been clients of ours for years, I give a workshop on this. and. There, a, a workshop story on this where I actually end up naked, covered in pig crap, but that's a whole other story. So I will share share that for another day. But um, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. Okay. Anyway, now let me let me say this. I want our listeners to get some real nuts and bolts here today too. So I love the perspectives that you've already shared, Tony and Matt. But for those that are uh, new listeners to our podcast or contemplating the small business, let's go through some basics, too, of just starting and expanding. And I, uh, Tony is such a technician himself of helping people that are already in business, dialing in their procedures, their systems, their hiring policies, their pricing, and helping them take their business to the next level. But for those that are just getting started or you're just starting to feel that pressure, let's go through some basics. One, write a business plan. If you're thinking about a small business, get that business plan drafted. Now, as I talk about in my book, what your CPA isn't telling you, and I have a whole appendix just on writing a business plan. Once the business plan's written, you're going to throw it in the garbage once you decide to move forward. Sometimes a business plan will tell you not to move forward. And that could be one of the best blessings in your life because you took the time to analyze your market, your, your technical skills, the pricing, and found out, oh, my gosh, this was going to be a train wreck, and you just saved three or five years of your life chasing a business that was going to fail anyway. So write your business plan. A byproduct of that is going to be your marketing plan and your strategic plan, giving you the steps that you're going to outline over the next three, six, nine, twelve, and 18 months to implement it. it. Rome wasn't built in a day. Don't think your business is going to be open tomorrow for business or even a month from now. It takes time. Don't beat yourself up. Have the day job. Make sure your bills are paid. Don't feel the pressure. And, Tony, I think you see this all the time. I'm going to throw this out right now, and I'll hold off on my list further. I mean, we could talk about some of those basics. But you know what's interesting here for some of you listening? This could be maybe the biggest insight of the day. I'm going to shoot for it. Maybe Matt or Tony will share one, but I want to throw one out. A lot of times people start that small business, and they're depending on it to pay for groceries next month. And when you quit your job and start a small business, it may be slim pickings, that initial startup phase. And when you're starving, you will start to make crisis decisions. And when you are making decisions in that mode, then you're going to make the, oftentimes the wrong decisions of what your business needs to succeed. And we understand it. We know it. You're in crisis mode. You're scared to death and you've got to pay the bills. So 
so you cut corners in what would really help your business grow. And Tony, you've I mean, you've got to see that with those new business owners that are trying to start landscape business, and they're starving, and they make bad decisions. Does that happen? Am I out in right field? happens all the time. And we, and the way I end up defining that is that they take on work at a price that is below their cost. And so, you know, the only thing worse than having customers is having customers that are not profitable. And so what I'm always, always very, very insistent upon is that the financial plan is very clear up front. That we understand what our fixed cost of doing business on a monthly and annual basis will be so that we can translate those fixed costs into an overhead recovery system that will allow the company to survive and actually pay the, uh, the owner a, a, a living wage. And if you watch, I'm a big fan of that Shark Tank show. You guys ever watch that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Shark Tank, did you watch it? I mean, when, when these guys are evaluating these startup and small businesses, they frequently ask the question, are you paying yourself in the business? They, that is, the you know, the Mark Cubans and the, mm-hmm. and the uh, Damon Johns, they'll say, what are you paying yourself? And the entrepreneur, the startup, will say, well, we're putting all of our money back into our company right now. And they'll say, oh, well, you're, you're not profitable, then why should I be paying you a premium on these earnings that you claim to have? And, and uh, so it's that dilemma, it's that chicken and egg problem, you know, that, that uh, has, has puzzled humanity. What comes first? Well, the only way, guys, the only way that a business can survive is to have profits. We in small business do not enjoy the, the, um, the privilege of selling our equity on public exchanges in advance of making a profit. The only way a small business owner survives is to turn a profit early and often and to do it again and again and again. And, yes, yes, there has to be some reinvestment, but, but uh, failure to uh, properly price in the early days kills more businesses than I believe uh, will ever uh, sustain them. You know, and, and then – and if somebody can get this, can get their pricing right, if they can have the courage and the marketing, um, the marketing savvy to position themselves correctly, that is that they're that they're technically competent to be able to do the work, that they're ethically, morally, you know, uh, responsible for what they're doing. If they can do those things, and 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 they and they realize that the very next step to succeed in business is to make sure that customer they're working for today will provide them with a written or online or video testimonial early on. We've got to have more. That That is a secret entrepreneurship, guys, in my view. You said it a minute ago, Matt. You said marketing, marketing, marketing. Well, in my view today, the only thing that small businesses can really afford is to have better referral systems because they cost almost nothing and so if we can get uh the small business owners that are maybe you know young startup and you know in in early to whip out their iphone and begin asking you know when someone gives a compliment they say hey i'm pleased with your work the very next words out of the entrepreneur's mouth must be wow thank you so much would you be so kind as as to 
uh, say that in a short 15-second or 30-second video because, frankly, if I don't survive or if I don't get my next business, then I may not be able to serve you. And when people are given honesty, they will usually respond and do so willingly, gladly, and then entrepreneurism grows. All right. Well, um, I really agree with that. And let me I'm gonna just rattle off a couple of do's and don'ts as we're getting here to the last few minutes of the show. I just wanna get some as, as Mark called some nuts and bolts out there. So um and this some of these might be wing nuts, but you know, whatever. So <laughs> first <laughs> I wanna hit some do's of what things to be doing as you're getting in the business plan. Mark talked about um getting a business plan written out, a strategic plan. Um uh, one thing I want to make sure when you're starting out a business, and we've talked about contracts ad nauseum for on our prior shows, think about the common contracts and agreements you need in your business. Get a service agreement and think about making sure you're getting paid. Um, as you're starting out in business particularly, I think a lot of times you can be taken advantage of and you may not be thinking through all right, how do I make sure I get paid on this or, or, or have an expectation that so-and-so will pay me later? Get some contracts, get a process in writing to make sure you're getting paid first. Second, build an operational system to get work done. Um, you need to be able to find an approach that's scalable in your business. In order to be competitive on pricing, which Tony talked about, um, you need to have an operational system to get work done or to create product that is going to keep you competitive. If it's a one-man show, you may be having to build a business and spending a lot of time where you know you're not really uh, you know operating at an optimal stage, but you're in startup mode and you're figuring things out. Eventually, though, you want to think of an operational system that's going to get work done in a price competitive manner. So I'm going to just go through two don'ts now. On the don't side, here's a common problem I see as a lawyer. Listening to AM radio and setting up a Nevada C corporation to start off your business. Okay, that's on the don't list. Let me just be clear. That's the don't. <laughs> if I don't, I do not do that. Okay, so don't fall into the trap of setting up an emergency. Generally, for most small businesses, we're going to recommend an S corporation in the state you reside. Maybe an LLC if you're in startup mode. Second thing I just want to point out on a don't, and this comes with um, just seeing problems of clients coming to, to us from a legal side is don't keep bad records. Don't you know? stick your head in the sand and, not, and fail to do tax reporting. A lot of businesses and people get behind on that, and um, it can really cause a lot of stress that's unnecessary. Stay on top of those things. Keep good records. Make some good tax planning, and make sure you're taking care of tax payments. Well, awesome comments, both of you. And I want to uh, mention right now um, Tony Bass's website, which I think is – Again, packed with great information. That's TonyBassConsulting.com. TonyBassConsulting.com. He's uh, got workshops, again, around the country, all sorts of education out there. And especially if you're thinking about starting a small business on the side, the landscaping industry is wide open and just so exciting. A great family-owned business. Tony, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Hey, guys. Enjoy listening to you, as always. And I appreciate, again, the the whole message of entrepreneurism supporting entrepreneurs with your with your radio show is you know it's at the top of my list of of um things to be grateful for in our country today really 
really serious about it. Well, Tony, Thanks, we're Tony. grateful for you. And and everybody out there, you can thank your green lawn, lawn and manicured landscaping to Tony Bass and the thousands of landscape specialists he's training around the country. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Everybody, have a great week, and we'll see you next it. Tuesday for another show at 11 a.m. talking about the American dream. Thanks, everyone. See you then. Thank you.